you're listening to the Whole Home Podcast. I'm Laura here with Annie Bowers. And Annie, if you're all right with it, let's just get to these games. Let's do it. Okay. Um, I did explain this on the last podcast, but Annie did not hear it, that this game is called My Favorite Things and are there Annie's Favorite Things. Annie, I had you send me answers to questions. I did not look at your answers. My daughters put them on these papers. And I'm going to try to uh, describe them to you without saying the word. And then you have to say, oh, that's my favorite, whatever it is, if that makes sense. Like I will say, that's my favorite food. Exactly. Got it. But I have no idea what they are. Got it. So this could be really great or really bad. But here we go. All right. Um, grass. Um, That's my favorite color? Yes. Green. Green. <laughs> Good job. Okay. You use a needle and thread or a machine to do this. Oh, that's my hobby, sewing. Okay. They are different colors and they connect through force or um, I guess opposite forces to build. Um, oh, magnet tiles. Yes. I said that was my favorite toy. That's oh, the thing nice. I like playing with my kids with. Yeah. Okay, this is she, a woman who has gray hair and a wand, and she, um, why can't I think? I'm just thinking of her in a green dress. This is my favorite Harry Potter character, McGonagall. Yes. Why can't I think? (laughs) It's late. Okay, this place, um, I think of an exotic place and beautiful clear blue water and buildings that have intricate blue designs. Okay. And I think this is the place, the country I'd like to visit, Morocco. Okay. Yeah. That probably, sorry. I'm glad you know what these are. (laughs) Oh, I don't know what the, oh, okay. I'm guessing this is a small thing with a tail that we were talking about in the earlier podcast. (laughs) This is my favorite animal. It's a white faced capuchin. They're really cute because they have this like white rim of fur around their face and they're very smart. They can be trained to be like help animals basically. Oh, nice. And where did you see your first capuchin? <laughs> they, we have them in Costa Rica, yeah. Okay. So I've seen them in the wild and then people who kind of tame them as pets. Gotcha. All right. This is a place where you can buy things that people don't want anymore. The thrift store, like Goodwill, is my place I like to shop. Okay. Ooh, I think of cardamom and something warm. And this is my Starbucks drink, <laughs> the chai tea latte. Yummy. <laughs> um... Okay, this is where you put ingredients together and you mix them up and then you eat them after you do this. I think I put this as my favorite thing to do to relax. I said baking. Oh, nice. Hmm. Okay, this is a fruit. It's yellow and you peel it. At the end of this is a, a kind of measurement. Oh, I'm stuck. I can't think of anything that I put. Uh, monkeys eat this fruit. A banana? Yeah, with a, a unit of measurement. That's, um, it could oh, be a kilo. Bananagrams. Yeah. Okay. What is I, that? I put bananagrams as my favorite game to play. Oh. So it's like speed scrabble. And so well, I actually haven't played it in years, but Jared and I used to play together. You just get a variety of letter tiles and you have to make interconnected words. Oh, fun. And yeah, the first person to use them all up wins. When you talk about this, you don't say Santa. <laughs> oh, Christmas is my favorite holiday. Yeah. Jesus. Um, okay, there's a hill, and she's alive. The Sound of Music <laughs> is one of my favorite movies. Mm. Okay, this has a center that is creamy, and then the outside is creamy, but it's a color that's darker, and it 
It's oh. not a plate. It is a... Okay. My favorite candy are dark chocolate peanut butter cups, and I particularly like the ones from Trader Joe's. Ooh. Oh, I know what you're talking about. They're very good. Box, yeah. Yep. They come in the plastic tub. Okay. And then finally, you probably know what this is. Um, I think it's white, and it smells really good, and you can plant it. Yes. It's my favorite flower, the gardenia, which we had a big gardenia bush outside of my bedroom window growing up. So Ooh. I'd have my little louvered window open and the smell would just come in all right that's the end of the game oh that was fun Annie's that was harder things. for you than yeah. for me i think <laughs> especially when i'm tired i torture myself i'm terrible at um charades and pictionary i want to be good but anyway okay now we're gonna play fast five minute game where i'm gonna flip my timer and here we go okay we'll start off your uh with your exact favorite spot in your home oh my sunroom um do you have a useless talent um I can sort of dislocate my shoulder. Like I can, I can get my arms from hooked together behind me to in front of me by like twisting them a lot. Good for you. I haven't haven't tried it for a few years, so maybe I can't do it anymore. What is something more challenging than you expected? Uh, parenting. A uh, fun recipe you've tried? Um, oh, I made bagels. I've been making sourdough bagels. And you made pretzels. I had those recently. Yes, I made sourdough pretzels for the first time recently too. Um, what's a tradition you observe in your home? One thing that we've been doing is we have birthday pancakes. And so we make, I dye some of the batter a different color and make a party hat. And we make a face with chocolate chips. And so it's like a face with the party hat on top. And I did it once. And then the next birthday was coming around. And my sons were like, you're doing the birthday pancakes, right? So it became a tradition because they requested it. What is your favorite smell? My favorite smell. So growing up, my favorite scent of lotions and things was cucumber melon. I don't necessarily prefer it anymore. I think maybe cinnamony type things, like something baking in the oven. Go to breakfast. Oatmeal probably is what I actually end up eating all the time. From the packet or? Uh, No, on the stove. Or um, baked oatmeal is especially delicious. What is a book or resource that influenced you? I would say... A recent thing that has influenced me has been a few missionary biographies. So I read Through Gates of Splendor, and I read, cred, the name is evading me. It was about a man or a woman. Darlene Dietrich Diebler-Rose. I think that's her name. Evidence Not Seen. That's what it's called. Okay. Yes. It was good? Yes. They're both great. If I ran into you at a restaurant in the city, where would you be eating? Maybe Mellow Mushroom. In Carytown? We go to Short Pump because my husband is avoiding the city tax. So oh, that's what that's how we decide what restaurants to go to. <laughs> do you find your sock match when you do laundry? Absolutely. Do you journal still? No. What are you reading right now? I am reading a book that came recommended from a couple ladies at church. It is called Miss Bunkle's book. I was like, what's her name? Miss Bunkle's book. Okay. It's like a book written in the 20s about a lady who writes a book Okay. about her town, but people don't know that she wrote it. So fun. What's your middle name? Victoria two words that describe you this horrible question sorry (laughs) two words that describe me uh quiet and happy what book do you want more people to read um anything by gk chesterton maybe do you have any home edit projects just the constant decluttering that has to happen in my home hey what about collecting things do you collect things i collect Well, I have some pins, like lapel pins, so Mm -hmm. I like collecting those. And Like what would be an example? Oh, like Disney ones. So I have Robin Hood ones because that's one of my favorite movies. And I have several of Edna Mode because she's a designer from Mm -hmm. The Incredibles. Yeah, that's all I can think. Oh, books. I mean, books. 
That's yeah. what I collect most these days. That's something that's fun about your family that I don't know how it would weave into the podcast, but that y'all just love cartoons and fun stories and you guys are just really fun. Like one of my favorite things in your house is just that Lego picture on your wall. It's made of Legos right when I walk in. I love it. It's so fun. It still has our Easter message on it. (laughs) He is risen all the time, right? (laughs) Okay, Annie, if you could become an expert in something, what would it be? I think I would like to be an expert gardener. Okay. It would be awesome to be able to go out and just get what I need to cook with. Uh, Last skill that you learned? Probably something to do with sourdough. If you were going to write a book, what would you write about? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Top uh, vacation this year. Will you go anywhere? Uh, No. We had our... We had a baby this year, and so we had a little home, and we actually are just finishing up our fall break. We did a little staycation this week. Okay, what is a place in Scripture encouraging to you? I think Psalm 139. It's been something that I learned, memorized with the kids at the end of this past school year, and then I had it on my mind a lot during the end of my pregnancy and giving birth. Mm. Um, and then it actually came up as a Scripture in one of our recent sermons, so it's just rattling around in my head. Um, any particular part of it? I think just God's care in creating us and, yeah, just that we can trust him in, in everything that happens to us in all of our days. So, Do you have a hero? Uh, no. I mean, I think, honestly, I could say my parents I, I definitely look up to, but not any, like, other person out there. What is something you're passionate about? Oh, passionate. I don't know. I mean, I'm passionate about sewing. If, if somebody starts talking to me about it, I will definitely get on. I'm happy to have that conversation. I'm passionate about reading and reading with my kids especially has been super fun in the past few years. And last thing you watched on TV. So this may not be exactly the last thing, but Jared and I watched the two Extraction movies recently. It's Chris Hemsworth and there are these Netflix movies that are like pure action, but they were interesting. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Ding. (laughs) Good job. Now time to get serious. Uh, Annie, this is your garden. What neighborhood do you live in and how long have you been there? So we live in an area around Chamberlain. It's like north of the north side and south of Atlee. So I never know quite what to call it. It's technically in Henrico, but it's the skinny little like bar part if you think of Henrico as a barbell. And we have been there for three years now. In August, we um, tripped over that third year. It's been a great place to be, and we have some really sweet neighbors. It was interesting moving in there because we are a young family, and all of our neighbors are pretty elderly. They're the original homeowners, for the most part, of these houses that were built in the 70s. So we felt a little bit different and nervous that they may not like our loud children (laughs) in the yard. But everybody we talked to has been very kind and encouraging and just that they appreciate seeing the kids out and about. And yeah, they've all been very sweet and fun to get to know. Have you uh, convinced anybody to move out into that neighborhood with you? (laughs) No, I would like to. And sadly, because a lot of the neighbors are older, more of the houses will turn over ownership Mm -hmm. and and be in the market in the next few years. So I hope we get some more families around because there aren't very many kids for the kids to for my kids to connect with. You have a great house. It's very fun. Lots of layers. <laughs> yeah, it's a, um, I always want to call it a split level, but Jared says that's not right. It's like a quad level because it has four. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, what year did you start coming to Remnant? And who invited you? Yeah, so we already <laughs> told the story a little bit, but I came in 2012. 
2012. Yeah, that's right. Um, I came in August of 2012 because Jared, who is now my husband, invited me when he was just an acquaintance of mine. And uh, where do you have your community group? Who leads your group? So Jared and I have a community group at our house um, that we have been leading since shortly after we got married in 2013. We're on 10 years of marriage and 10 years of community group. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Yeah. All right, Annie, um, in this garden of yours, uh, how are you planning? What are your desires and dreams? I, when I was thinking about the planning, I was thinking about the long-term things that mm-hmm. are not not here yet, right? Things that are not quite in my season yet. And so the the most important is future life in Christ with my kids and um, definitely planning and dreaming about what that would look like to be, to be side-by-side with them working um, for the Lord and just praying about that as the main, right, the main action that I'm in right now. Um, hoping for them to have a vision for what life in Christ will look like. Uh, praying for them to have creativity and just what they're going to do with their lives. I don't even know what the world is going to look like in sure. 15 years. And so yeah, yeah. it's exciting, but it's a little bit intimidating too. But yeah, most especially just seeing them um, hopefully follow the Lord and and then helping them in whatever things that they're going to do in their life, whether that's like passing along skills to my daughters. I'm excited about those years of baking together and sharing in the garden and things like that. Or maybe one of them will want to sew. I don't know. But just seeing seeing where they go, is that's my, my big dreaming for my kids, right? They'll have their own dreams too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I forgot to ask you, can you say who these people are, these wonderful people in your home? Yes. So like I said, I'm married to Jared. We've been married for 10 years and then we have five kids. So they're all two years apart. Andy is eight and Jack is six. Ginny is four. Maggie is two. And then we have our new baby, Josh. He's like three months old. So when did you start to catch this vision for them? Because, you know, they're was it, were you sort of like a planner way ahead of time or now that they're, you actually have older kids, you're like, oh, wow, they're growing up. They're real people. <laughs> yeah, I think just thinking about both who they are now and then anticipating who they're going to be, right, as they grow and as they mature and come into adulthood. It's like it's like when you have a baby and you just think about this sweet and precious little baby who's so dependent on you. And then you have the realization that they're an independent being apart from you who is going to grow and have a personality. And yeah, it's just, it's a little wild to think about. I think at some point in the past couple of years, Jared had a conversation with Rob Green that I've now heard the same thing from other sources too. But he made the comment to him about, Lord willing, you'll have many more years of friendship with your children, then you will have the years that you are together in the home. And so really having that kind of long vision for not just, you know, the things that we do now matter and impact who they will become, absolutely, but looking forward and not just dealing with every little minute thing now. Yeah. Having kind of a a broader scope in our approach to things has been helpful. You had even written down helping them pursue goals and working and starting businesses. So you definitely are on, you have a a spectrum of joy, like that little one that you're holding all the time, but then also, you know, Andy stepping into, I'm guessing it's Andy. Yeah. Stepping into the business, (laughs) businessman life. (laughs) Well, just even all these little ideas that he has, right, where he, 
He's been super inspired by the Rimmer boys Mm -hmm. who draw pictures and sell them. And so he just has this idea that he'll he'll make stuff or write a book and then he can sell it to his friends and they'll pay him for it. And so I'm always wanting to come in and be like the – the voice of reality and be like well (laughs) it has to be good for anybody to want to pay for it Mm -hmm. Um, but to realize that this is where it starts right when this is how creativity happens is that we have a lot of ideas and then we winnow them down and we find the good ones that are worth pursuing and I think there is something magic about magical about that age where he's eight and coming into like nine ten eleven where he really could execute something Mm -hmm. that would be a product or a service that somebody would value and pay him for and i think that's really exciting to see hopefully he'll have a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit yeah we'll see (laughs) ryan and i attended a workshop at the homeschool conferences last year and andy's age is the prime time for business starting or entrepreneurship because there's not usually a lot of second guessing or you know self-awareness where you're not just gonna go for it and sell your drawing to your friend or Whatever it is. So Ryan and I were really um, holding on to that thought in our mind. And yeah, we're definitely trying to help the kids start things and see them through and and feel what it feels like to make something that they think is worth sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And then I love your language, Annie. You said co-laboring specifically. Um, What what do you see in your mind exactly when you say you use that word co-labor with your children? I think just the the fact of it being a future thing so right now my position with my children is one of of authority and that's the primary way that it should be that we're teaching them to to honor and obey and respect authorities and ultimately god as the authority in their life and so seeing that as they grow that that hierarchy will shift and it will become more of a peer peer peer-to-peer relationship and then yeah, that there will be ways in which we can encourage each other and um, push each other on in, in life in Christ that I'm just excited about. I mean, they already are spurring me on in my life, you know, in my spiritual walk just because of being around, um, well, five kids and my husband. So six other people all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can't get away from from learning things from them and seeing, seeing my sin uh, in relation to them. So just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it will look like, but it's just something to be excited about, I think. It's very exciting. All right. So what about this um, friendships and ministry to foreigners that you mentioned? Yeah. Like I said, all growing up, I have been kind of interested in befriending people who are who seem lonely or outcast, um, people who are different and in a different culture. So my friend Yuan stands out as someone who I was close to in high school and then in college, I got to work in a ministry with J-1 students. So those are like part-time work visas that college students from all over the world get. Okay. And Williamsburg was a big hub for them to come and work because they work at Bush Gardens and they work at hotels around the area. And so I worked with a, basically a motel that a lot of these students lived at and got to um, just connect with them and make opportunities for them to get to know American families and connect to them with people in my church. And so, I don't know, I, th- I just think that God has given me lots of opportunities to be uh, friends with people from all over the world, and I'm just interested in other cultures. So it's one of those things that it feels like it's not not my time right now, because right now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in my home and I'm with my kids, 
Um, but just kind of dreaming of what that could look like to make some of those friendships, whether it be uh, working with Spanish and interpreting at some local ministries or um, like health clinics or food banks, or whether it be working with the many uh, internationals who come through at VCU and the med school, especially I think in the the higher degree programs where people might come and a spouse is with them. So mm-hmm. like a man's in school and then the wife is just here alone, basically. Um, I would love to find a way to connect with some of those those people who might be isolated and may just need a friend and yeah. get to know somebody. So That's another thing is I, after I stopped full-time teaching, I um, kept teaching English as a second language to Chinese students. So it was a um, a Chinese company Which Chinese? for five more years. Okay, yeah. Wow. And so that was like between 10 and 20 hours a week over the course of the five years that I did it. Um, but I love that. And I don't know. I like, I do think I have a skill in understanding what people mean when they don't necessarily have the right <laughs> words to say it. Um, That's just, why we're friends, Annie. <laughs> just from growing up um, around people and speaking different languages. So I would just like to put that, yeah, put that to use somewhere down the line, however God brings those opportunities. And you mentioned my friend, Jalisa, who I met at the library, but I also made a friend in the same season of life at the library who is Japanese. And so I've gotten to know her over the years Mm. and need to reconnect. And now we have neighbors that my boys are becoming friends with the kids, but they are an African family. So they've been here, I think, at least 15 years. So... But it's just interesting to mm-hmm. learn about a new culture and new family dynamics and all sorts of things. Mm. So, Are they on your actual block? So they are on like behind us across the street. Okay. If that makes sense. So it's like the other side of our block. Okay. And then any more um, dreams that you have? So I, sewing is another thing that is kind of always in my orbit of thought and thinking about how I can use that for for God's glory and for other people's good. I have had seasons of doing more or less sewing and sewing for myself or sewing for friends or sewing as, as work and always kind of checking in with Jared and saying, like, am I trying to do too much? Is this something I need to lay down for a while? Um, so in a planning sense, I'm definitely looking ahead to seeing some of these kids in our church grow up and get older. And if they're interested, I would love to find a way to um, to share the, yeah. the gift of sewing with them. And the same, it's been super fun to um, to teach some of the ladies in the church and Christina Green and I have uh, run a couple of workshops and then um, I've done some other things just to pass, pass it on and hopefully give people the tools to feel confident to try on their own. So I don't know what may develop or whether I'll come back to that as like, more of a job somewhere down the line than I do right now but I would love to keep doing it yeah when was your first time turning sewing outward if it was just a hobby for you when did you even think about doing it for others um I don't know what was the first thing I did but it was when Jared and I were married in the apartment I did some bridal alterations I did bridesmaids dresses I recovered a couch for somebody and then actually they put that couch and chair up on free stuff and I claimed it. The couch and chair in my sunroom 
used what? to belong to someone else and I made the cushion covers that for it is awesome. like nine years ago for them oh, <laughs> and it goodness. came into my possession so <laughs> it, it was just funny um no I don't know Kim and um, when you go big you go big you just said bride wait bridal alterations and a couch <laughs> yeah I don't know how it happened that people started asking me and I just started saying yes and then I've gotten more experience. So I'm a lot more confident now than I was then. Yeah. And I appreciate people's trust in me then. I don't know if I deserved it necessarily. Yeah. But I'm not going to look at that couch the same way. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. All right, Annie, what about sewing? Is there not sewing, but, you know, S-O-W, sewing. Yes, thank you. <laughs> is there something being sown, like seeds, in your life right now that is new or at the beginning stages? So... So <laughs> I, exactly. I put having having five kids when I was talking to Jared about my notes and what I wanted to talk about on the podcast. He was like, well, it seems like you could talk about the kids for all of these. And yeah. and it's true because there's it's such a central part of my life and my roles right now. Um, but specifically adding on that fifth child is the new thing, right? That sure. Josh is only three months old and we're just starting the new school year and he's a he's precious like he's truly one of the easiest babies that I know of and definitely has been the easiest for us but just the that doesn't change him being a, an easy baby doesn't change the reality of having five little people to interact with and care for and so just the sheer amount of things that need to be done in a day and my capacity to do them all or the conversations that everyone wants to have with me and I get overstimulated and need to like break it break it down and break it up and say okay this person first and then that person or you come back in five minutes or whatever it might be so I think I am in a season of learning to it's it's a it sounds dumb to say it because it should be all the time but learning to trust that God really will give me all that I need that even when I don't feel sufficient for the task, mm-hmm. that he will make something out of my meager efforts, right, to to love and to serve my family well. Um, well, here's a messed up question for you. Okay. Where did you get the idea that he can do that for you? Where did I get the idea that God can use it? Yeah. I don't know. The scriptures, <laughs> I guess, you know. And I think it just examples in our church have been... Yeah, just seeing other families doing life together and trying to raise their children up in the Lord has been such an inspiration that it's um, that it's a good thing for me to pour myself into. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's worth it's worth the effort. It's worth thinking about. Um, yeah, the why it's messed up, but it's just because. Uh, I mean, I guess most people listening would know the answer, and I know you know the answer, but just even to tease out, like, that's just as real as the reality of, like, the people in front of you is that God is on the other side, just as real, providing what you need Mm -hmm. um, in that same way, and that you can actually open up the Bible, and that reality is, like, uh, speaking itself to you, and then you can look out with your eyes and also see in front of you, and just the fact that we're not alone is what I thought of when you were sharing this. Like, I don't have five kids personally, but now I look to you and I see that reality and it teaches me about 
God providing and all of these. Yeah. So yeah, I was just thinking about um, that fact that it's not all in our head, you know, mm-hmm. when I asked you that question. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And yeah, he really will provide, right? So he'll provide physically for our needs, but he'll also give inspiration and creativity mm-hmm. and give me, yeah, just the the impulse even to to go seek out one of my kids and, and realize, oh, they've been kind of quiet today or they've been in a funky mood. We've had a lot of those going on. Mm-hmm. And to to think about how can I draw them out or how can I bring them um, – bring them back into joy and and fellowship with the family and not just um, off being sour in the corner. Um, That especially if I take the moment to seek God in prayer, that he will answer that need, you know? Yeah. What is daily like for you? (laughs) What is that daily sewing? Um, I think it is, it's waking up and, and putting my hands to the plow. It's, it's doing the tasks that are in front of me and trusting the Lord, like I said, to, to make something out of it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I get so, um, well, it's kind of like my Teach for America example, right? Where I thought, I am going to go and I'm going to do this big thing and I'm mm-hmm. going to change the world. But to actually see, like, I am changing little lives. I'm just doing it with the ones that are in front of me every right. day because they're they're my children. And that, yeah. That all of the little things will add up, hopefully, and that the, you know, the lingering taste will be one of love and joy and and filled with Christ. That, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's what my kids will get out of it. You even talked in your notes just about that it's obedience on your part, that daily obedience. And you wrote about, yeah, your hope in, in God do this. Yeah. And I think the the obedience is just to do the next you know, kind of the next right thing. So whatever is in front of me in the moment to make the meal or change the diaper or start the school day, those are all, they're not necessarily hard things to do all the time, but I don't always value them, right? Like Mm -hmm. I just see them as disparate parts and stuff that I have to do, but I'm not necessarily seeing it all as cultivating a home and, and making a life for my family. So in that sense, it is an act of obedience to um, to wake up and do the next thing that's in front of you. Like I said um, as well before, to do it thoughtfully and with joy and with gratitude and not just to get it done. Right. Do you have any new rhythms in your household? So it's not so much a new rhythm. I guess we've been probably reading pretty uh, consistently together as a family since 2020. But sharing books with my kids has been one of my favorite things in in this journey of parenting and reading out loud together. And then since 2020 happened and Jared worked from home for a good many months and now it works part time from home, having him be a part of that has uh, it's opened the door to that because we read at lunchtime. And so just having that shared family experience around books and like you said we we are tv and movie watchers as well so yeah. we also share in stories with family movie night every week and other shows and series that we like to watch through together but just the opportunity to have those stories we now have in common and we have reference points and we have examples of 
of the good guys and the bad guys, right? We have the mm-hmm. the heroes that we want to be like, and we have the villains to point to that we can say, you know, in this situation, we don't want to be like them. So it's just been such a fun, something that I love and a fun thing to share with the kids, but it's given us kind of a shared language to have a lot of conversations. Yeah. So Especially my oldest, Andy, is he loves stories too, and so he's he's always down to have a, a conversation about something yeah. like that. So it's been fun. So is lunchtime now a given where maybe in the beginning it was like something new you're trying and now it's just, of course, we're reading at lunchtime. Yeah, that's right. I think it's it's an all the time that we just know we're going to do it. Um, and I think that the area that's new that we're trying to grow on is is having those conversations around it, right? Not just reading to read, but actually to have you know, what are the books teaching us? What are we learning? Is that something that all the kids participate in? Or do they just like to listen? Or um, like? Right now, the main ones that we're kind of forcing to be, not forcing, but <laughs> ex- expectation that they are in the room with us is Jack and Andy, the two oldest. The girls will dip in and out while we're reading. And different books that are more a little more accessible to them, they're around more. Mm-hmm. But they tend to wander off if it gets too long. So... We do also, I read picture books as part of our breakfast and morning time, and they're a part of that more. So it's a little more their speed right now. Do you have a family favorite that stands out over the past three years? Um, hmm. We have really loved the Little House on the Prairie series. And I think part of it is that Jared and I have been so inspired by it. So we've been excited to keep reading them and mm-hmm. learn. And, uh, and Ma and Pa are just so exemplary in many ways. Just their they're just tough people like they are going through a lot of stuff and then they just pick up and they keep doing what they need to do and it's been fun for the kids to learn about you know a different time and a different place so those have been fun for us and we've also watched the tv show somewhat alongside it do your kids like it they do and andy like i said andy is my story analyzer and he loves comparing books and stories that we've read to movie or TV adaptations of them. So he's always noting differences and mm-hmm. calling them out. So it's a fun exercise for us. All right. Anything else in this category? Yeah. So another thing that I um, wanted to bring up was just Jared is working with the Maker Institute that's launching uh, in 2024. And so he's going to be a teacher in that for a couple of classes and so this past few months and going into that actually officially beginning has just been giving him some time to to work on that and to do the reading and the research and the prep that he wants to do and then also just being willing to have the conversations and be kind of a sounding board for those ideas. So that's been fun just to just to prepare and learn alongside him with what he is wanting to do and Maybe I will like audit his class or something <laughs> so that I can learn and have the conversations with him as well. Yeah, I love listening and uh, when I can, when him and Ryan are talking and preparing as well. And it's just exciting to know that all of these things that he's so passionate about that he's going to share, but just also it's very clear that God has gifted him. So it's just always exciting to see someone working and their gifts because they come from God and they're good. So. Yeah, check out the Maker Institute, yeah. everybody. I'm just excited for him because he has he has giftings and he's written a few articles and things in the past couple of years. But 
there's sort of things that he's not going to do unless something makes it a priority. Mm-hmm. And so I think having Ryan ask him and talk to him about joining the team was good because it has given him the opportunity and the something that he's committed to and re- responsible for to yeah be able to follow through and actually make make it happen and f- even for his own edification to flesh out some of these ideas thoroughly I think he's really excited for so we'll see what effects that has on the whole family right like yeah. as he's growing and um, thinking about um, the Bible and just the story of the Bible and the narrative there that's got to like have an effect on us too so yeah well, even just this past week, he shared a short story with Ryan about the scripture or just a narrative, I don't know, thread, I guess, in the scriptures. And immediately, I think the next day I turned around and told someone else because it's exciting mm-hmm. to uh, see the scriptures come alive. So let's go to uh, the watering part. And this is a, um, just the active tending, stewarding, and prayer portion of the podcast. What are you doing in that area? I'll speak to one that ties in with talking about Jared and Maker. Okay. And that is to to actually be embracing what my husband's discipleship of me and our family looks like. I think my tendency, like I said, I like want to check out check off all the boxes and I want to do the things that I'm supposed to do. And so when people are like, you need to have a family worship or you need to do this, then I've kind of I'm sitting around, I'm like, why aren't we doing that? Why don't we do these things we're supposed to be doing? Um, But in that, and having that attitude, it's completely discounting the ways that our family already works. Right. Right. The, The culture and the dynamic that we already have, that we are having these conversations, especially with our two oldest boys. Um, about the Lord and the things are coming up as we're reading books and as we're watching shows and as we talk to Andy about what he heard in the sermon or we talk to them about their classes. Um, So learning to value and appreciate the spur of the moment things that happen over what my my expectation might be of like, Mm -hmm. we need to buy the book and we need to follow through the book and we're going to do it on a schedule and we're going to (laughs) do, like I'm trying to force it into a mold. What book? And that's just not, that's not Jared's style. Um, Oh, any book. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think the same for, for Jared's spiritual discipleship of me where I tend to like hear on a podcast that we should be doing X, Y, and Z, but I'm not the one who should be pressing that right Mm -hmm. like it's my husband who is the leader and he's leading me and for years he's been telling me about books that he's read in seminary or Mm. a podcast that he's listens to and he tells me to listen to it and I never listen to it oh (laughs) and so in the recent in recent months I've made a more conscious effort to actually see those things for what they are which is my husband's tending of me and my Mm. spiritual life and so I have started listening to the Bible Project, mm-hmm. um, which I've been I've done off and on over the years. But to try to listen more consistently, because if I'm knowing this is something that he's getting fed with, then I want to be as well and be on the same page and be able to have the conversations about it, or to pick up and read some of the books. Or like I said, as he's preparing for his maker class and he comes by and wants to read me a couple pages for mm-hmm. me to actually be attentive and value like this is it like this is the on the ground work that we're doing of Mm. changing our um 
transforming our minds by the spirit is happening now and it doesn't have to happen every monday at nine o'clock when we sit down together for bible reading time or whatever right. you know what i mean which is what i'm trying to force it into um so yeah just valuing his style and and learning to truly appreciate and and love that because it's good yeah and i i need the break from the from what i want to impose which is the structure that i can check off the list but maybe not feel anything about like Mm -hmm. i said i just want to have the like pat on the back that i'm doing this thing yeah and he's actually hey i'm i'm having this new revelation about this and i want to share it with you and for me to look you know not take it seriously or not always listen and interact that needs to change i guess (laughs) yeah so how does that feel because you just mentioned you're doing something that's kind of internal and external at the same time if you've been more prone to externally do things like how does that feel do you feel like they're a little bit incongruent or have you actually seen like uh god's power step in and bring like kind of the 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 outward like I'm doing these things my husband's asking me to do but then actually also I want to Mm. no yeah I think it I think it's it it's working if that's the right answer if that's an answer um but that I mean it's sort of like when you love someone you're interested in the things that they're interested in because of your love for them right and so if he's taken the time to pass something along to me then my response should be to take the time to um to receive it Mm -hmm. and to um to think about it and to bring it up and to say hey i I got to read that article you texted me today what did you think about this part or whatever it might be so i think god is using it and not just uh, it's not just feeding into my other tendencies either if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm not like replacing it with the new check locks, which is now like I make a list of everything that Jared passed to me because <laughs> that is the type of thing that I would do. And and I could. It it could still be beneficial of me to make a list, but mm-hmm. maybe not to have such a strict, yeah, desire to follow it through. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to put language to this quite, but just the, it's kind of beautiful to think about if I'm trying to put my headspace into what you're describing is that as if Jared is let's just say he's giving you a new checklist but you're also allowing it to form you on the inside like change the shape of who you are and like what you care about like that is as you already said love like giving over to the other a part of yourself so what you're doing right now is you're giving part of yourself to your husband Mm -hmm. and I don't know I just think it's a beautiful act of love and then you use that word embrace at the beginning yes (laughs) yeah which is a very loving word and um i think that's a powerful word that you chose of what you are doing in this season why did you choose embrace i think because it's i think it qualifies for that what we've been talking about right it's not just doing it because i'm supposed to it Mm -hmm. embrace to me means more of like wholeheartedly committing to it mm-hmm. and um and choosing it joyfully you know my husband has been such an example in just the way that he treats people generally so the fact that he wants to come to me and just share things as they come to him it's a good thing right where i'm able to see it on the outside like my husband will have a conversation with anybody at the grocery store. Somebody's checking him out. He'll have a conversation, <laughs> but it's because he sees that there's a person on the other side, mm-hmm. right? He's like, you're not just a machine who's here to do this task. You're a person who's had 
a good or a bad day and I'm going to try to make it better. Like he truly just wants to make people smile and laugh. And if somebody calls him on the phone, he will stop what he's doing and he will spend an hour or two talking to someone on the phone if they need that. And that's not me at all. Like Mm -hmm. I want to say, oh, I made an appointment with Laura on this day. So we're going to go and it'll probably last two hours and then it'll feel a little awkward. So I'll probably leave because my time will have run out. Mm -hmm. But I get so nervous about talking to somebody on the phone because that's just like an open-ended thing. And what if they require something of me that I'm not willing to give them? But he is so um, wholeheartedly giving of himself and taking away from the tasks that need to get done Mm -hmm. because he values the person and the relationship. Whereas I, and even I've, we'll talk about this later some with the kids where I get so oriented to the task at hand where it's like I got to make lunch and I got to stay on the schedule and my kids want to come up and talk to me and I'm like no 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 this is not the time for talk this is the time for mom to make lunch and listen to the podcast you're like 2 30 um, please yeah <laughs> yeah exactly 2 30 is when we're done with reading and I take the girls to nap and then boys we can have our conversation <laughs> so I don't know what I was getting in that except that I really I've learned so much from seeing my husband treat people as people and give of himself in those types of situations. And it flares up at me that I am not like that. And that that's mm-hmm. an area that I can I can grow to be more like that mm-hmm. would be a good thing. Beautiful. All right. More watering. Okay. Let's talk about sourdough just because it's okay. fun. <laughs> so I started doing sourdough a couple years ago now, almost a year and almost two years ago. But the reason that sourdough is worth mentioning on here is because it (laughs) is just something that I've done consistently over the past year and a half where I keep my starter out on the counter. And so the way sourdough works is that you feed the starter with flour and water regularly. So I do it once a day and then it's available to be used for baking. And then you have what they call discard, which is stuff that you have to take away because otherwise you would just keep multiplying it beyond what you could handle and so the discard you also used to bake with and you can make things like muffins and pancakes and all sorts of cookies and brownies Yeah. yeah and so I don't know just stepping into the world of the sourdough baking has just re-inspired my general cooking where I had gotten into kind of a low point of just feeling like a hassle of trying to come up with meals and with a big family things that anybody would like much less that everybody would like um or trying to meet different dietary needs that jared and i were trying to strive for and then still make it something that the kids would like so i had just gotten in kind of a low point and then sourdough just opened this whole new world where it's like wait i can be creative and i can come up with ways to use this discard or i can bake bread for my kids for their sandwiches every day and i can be excited about spending time on something that I sort of have to do, right? I have to prepare meals for them. It's part of my duties, but that I can turn it into something that's fun and kind of a creative outlet for me. And then just the the fact that I have fed the starter every day with only a handful of days that I've missed has been such a light bulb for me that um, I was prepared for the question in one of the games, Mm -hmm. what's a lie of the devil that you believe? Yeah, what is it? And (laughs) mine is that I can't change. Mm. And so just doing the starter every day has, it's like opened up my eyes to the fact that I can start doing something and actually stick with it and mm. do it every day. And it's a like a two minute task, but it's still evidence that if I choose to do something right. by the work of the spirit, 
he could empower me to actually do it. And I don't have to just sit back and say, well, this is just how I am. Like, this is my personality or this is just Mm -hmm. what I do. It's how I've always been. But that the spirit can actually change me and I can start doing something and do it consistently. So that kind of rolls into my homeschool is another thing that I'm watering and trying to be more consistent in that. I haven't had issues with actually doing school regularly and consistently, but I have had issues with just starting our day at a at a good time. Yeah. And so I've actually done better this year, which doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense because we have a new baby. But um, but God is just I think helped me to see the value of just getting the day started because what what was happening what has happened is. I wake up too late, I sleep in, and then I'm like scrambling to get breakfast, and then we're starting school, and I act like it's the kid's fault that we're behind (laughs) because they're struggling with something or I forget to do something. And so it's like basically I'm holding them accountable for the effects of my sin in a way that I shouldn't be because even as I was typing the notes, I was thinking about it, and if, if my kids were perfect, right? If they were perfectly obedient, perfectly responsive to every command that I gave, if they had no challenges at all with the schoolwork that day, we still would not be able to get it done in the amount of time I have allotted for it to get done. Right. And so for me to actually see what... Because you're waking up later. Because I'm waking up too late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to get it done by lunch because I want my afternoon time to sew. Yeah. (laughs) So, and yeah, that's truly where I am. Um, And so this year, God has really changed my understanding of why why I need to get up at a reasonable time and and to really set set the start of the day for the kids for our family to all have a good day right so for me to be in a better mood for me not to be frustrated with them when they have just normal challenges right mm-hmm. that are that are reasonable to have and that was another area that I talked about that I'm watering that I'm growing in is, seeing their challenges as a good thing and not something to to hide from because that was my experience is I, I always wanted to maintain people's perception of yeah. me as having yeah I think I have the understanding so if I had a struggle it was something to be to be hidden away and worked right. out on my own or if I like I said I'm kind of an eavesdropper and that's because then I can just absorb everything that everybody else is saying and yeah. I'm acquiring all the knowledge and then I know <laughs> yeah. instead of saying something where I might show that I don't have the understanding. So learning to see that their gaps in their understanding or areas that may challenge them are actually the opportunities for them to to grow in skills. Uh, That's to, like revolutionary. To grow in character, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. um, oh, what's the scripture? That creates endurance and endurance, oh, hope and in, hope doesn't um, disappoint. Well, it's in there. <laughs> yeah, something that Paul says, right? Where it's like uh, it produces the character, and that's what we want, right? I my yeah. outcome, what I want at the end of our school journey is not for them to know everything, mm-hmm. but for them, for my kids to be the kind of people who will continue to learn and who will humbly come before a problem and work it out, mm-hmm. or who will learn what they need to be able to accomplish the task before them. So, yeah, learning to actually value where those challenges come up has been a big thing for me. Yeah. Well, that, like I said, that is a revolutionary thought for you and for them because 
kind of like you said before, if you didn't grow up thinking that way or have anyone necessarily challenge you on that, it's very easy to just pass that on mm-hmm. to your kids. But now you're giving them a new thought. Oh, this is an opportunity for me to grow instead of an opportunity for me to hide. And um, that's pretty cool. So have you seen that have an impact in your household? Have you seen them a little bit more free with their mistakes or do you have your eyes more attuned to like, oh, my kids are kind of like me. They want to hide their mistakes. I th- I think it's changed. Um, yeah. Andy, especially, he can get easily discouraged. And so when something isn't right, then he can kind of throw up his hands and be like, oh. And so trying to encourage him that making a mistake is not the end of the world and that we can recover we can try it again we can practice like all these things Mm -hmm. but this year one of his subjects that would have been the most challenging for him before suddenly he just had a different attitude about it and maybe it had something to do with me I don't know maybe it's just something was different but when he approached it this year he was like oh this can be fun and so I think that's a that's a grace too right that not to kind of peg our kids into these categories and say like, well, he struggles with math and he mm. struggles with this, but to actually give them the freedom to to grow and change even year to year and have different strengths as they move through their school and learning. You're talking about your kids and yourself, but even turning that same attitude on if, if you're married to your spouse and even to members like in your church family, as well, just the same attitude of not not believing God's word that he actually desires to and does change us mm-hmm. <laughs> is something that, I, yeah, I've been learning a lot too. Yeah, especially with Ryan. We even had a conversation about this morning and he was, it sounds kind of weird for me to tell you this, Lord. I was driving him to work, but he's like, I just felt like God wanted me to share with you how I've been marveling at how much God has changed me, <laughs> you know, what I didn't think he could. And um, and that we should be um, praising him and thanking him for that. Mm. And I was like, I'm a pre- I appreciated that. I appreciated that he allowed me to sit in my morning rejoicing over how he has grown and to not forget to forget that. And kind of sounds silly, but it's important. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you've got even more here, which I'm excited to talk about. You're growing in your skills as a teacher as well as a learner. Yeah, I think one thing coming out of teaching as work and being a public school teacher was I just have that idea of like professional development floating around in my head Mm -hmm. where it's like you're constantly learning the new learning the new methods or learning the new approaches to teaching something. And so even in my full-time teaching, the planning was always my favorite. And I followed a lot of blogs and podcasts and things to learn, like, what are the best methods to teach a second language to someone? And so now in my own teaching with my kids, I, I just love it. Like, I love learning about how to teach. And I love, especially I've had a lot of fun with teaching reading and learning about sort of the methods and the science of reading um, to teach kind of from a phonics-based approach and just the benefits of that and just learning some of those, you know, things that we have 
intuitively adopted Mm -hmm. but now learning it as a rule or something when I teach my kids I'm like that's amazing I didn't know that that's why all these words are spelled this way so it's just a lot of fun (laughs) I kind of nerd out on it too literally this week I was at if you want to call it a dinner party and I was telling adults (laughs) things about phonics that I was so excited about but yeah it's fun it's yeah and I like I listen to this podcast now where the the lady is just talking and it's for teachers like it's Mm. not for homeschoolers or it's just about reading for classroom teachers but so many of the principles still apply in the homeschool classroom and I just I just am fascinated by it like wow this is cool well what's the podcast (laughs) it's called triple r teaching Um, okay but she mainly talks about reading okay cool and then just before we move on you said anything you want to talk about with physics or charlotte mason oh well just another thing i have had fun with is not feeling so tied to a like a bot curriculum but now i guess i'm in my fourth year of homeschooling because andy's doing third grade just having more confidence to jump into something else and so i like designed my own physics curriculum this year and made a book list and bought the books and then made a list of all the equipment that we would need to do the models and experiments and it's just been a lot of fun and that kind of hands-on stuff has been one of my boys favorite things in our school years and so I really wanted to prioritize it this year and make sure that I wasn't letting those things go to the wayside and be like the thing that fell off kind of fell off the plate um, and we never got to but rather to be something that I put some effort into and prioritize for them so yeah did you plan that in the summer or yeah did you do that I mostly did it kind of towards the end of last school year and into the summer my goal was to have it completely done before the baby was born in July and I didn't quite make that but it was easy to do computer work in those first few weeks when he was sleeping a lot so yeah that was mostly what I did what's one fun project you did or have done um we've they've mostly been pretty simple we made a scale, which was pretty cool recently. And so we used like a ruler with a rubber band cut as one length. And then we hung a sock with rice on it. And okay. so based on the, you know, the weight of the rice pulling on the rubber band, you could measure how far down the ruler it went. Mm-hmm. And then we measured basically lifting the rice straight up just by lifting versus using an inclined plane to lift it to the same degree and that you would need less force to lift. Yeah. So it was fun. Do you happen to like physics or was this an act of love? (laughs) Or what was it? I don't particularly dislike physics, but it was more just we'd already done biology and chemistry. And so I was like, I guess physics is next. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. All right. Well, because of time, we have to move on. But you have been learning more about Charlotte Mason and that's been fun too I suspect yes (laughs) and then just want to mention you love teaching reading should I broadcast you as a possible resource if anyone wants help oh sure I'm happy to talk about it with anyone (laughs) all right let's move to training and pruning what in your life doesn't feel good but is good yeah so I I had a hard time working this one out but in talking with Jared I kind of landed on just the fact that like I said, there are seasons for all the things. And right now has not really been my season for sewing. And so putting aside that, that is something I have kind of clung to as a 
somewhat as an identity marker and just as a this is my thing that I do to relax or to have my my self-care time or whatever Mm -hmm. and I don't I don't necessarily think about it in those categories but the way that I acted was that it was a need that needed to be filled and so my season right now is that it's just not really an option at all Mm. my two-year-old Maggie sleeps in the room where all my stuff is and so she used to nap in a different room but now because of the baby she's napping up there as well as sleeping at night up there and so my time to work used to be afternoon nap time she's asleep and it doesn't really work and this week during our fall break i've been putting her to nap in our bedroom and she just hasn't napped so it it doesn't solve the problem to just move her to a different space necessarily um so it has reminded me that it's okay for this to be a season where it doesn't really happen and instead to see basically to value the other things that i'm doing instead has been and something that i've been changing my mindset about and so Ginny is needing a little bit of interaction with some schoolwork because she just wants to do school Mm -hmm. so the time that i've set aside for her has been that early afternoon i'll put maggie down for a nap and then i spend about 30 minutes working with Ginny, and it's been such a sweet time because she wants to learn like she wants to do the stuff and it's just the two of us face to face and Mm. there's no other time during the day when I can really give her that kind of attention and so she's loving it and she's learning a lot so I'm seeing that as a good thing and then on the other end of the afternoon is letting the dinner time prep creep in a little bit more into the afternoon time so actually seeing it as a a good and a service to my family to have dinner on the table at a reasonable time to maybe like start dinner prep a little earlier so I have the wiggle room to nurse the baby if he wakes up crying at some point and so actually seeing all of that as a way to serve my family and not you know what I used to do was reserve my special afternoon sewing time and then start dinner in a rush and then be you know, as soon as my husband's coming in the door, I'd be like, here, hold the child, like entertain them. I got to get this stuff done. And it was yeah. always like, I don't know, like a fire alarm or something crazy was going on. You know, it's not necessarily something I would have chosen to be like, yeah, I'm going to cut off my access to my room where I get to do my hobby. But obviously it's not as important. Like when I say it, I'm like, this is so dumb. Of course, sewing is not as important as my family. But just being able to wrap my mind around like these are good things and I can take joy in these other things that I'm doing. And there will always be more time for that, Mm -hmm. right? Like my kids are only with me for the years that they are growing up. And there are places where we can buy clothes. I do not have to make them all. (laughs) (laughs) So, And then you've been working through some physical pain in this section as well. Yeah, so kind of a more literal take on the pruning of something hard that you're doing and enduring right now for the hope of something good later on. It's just from my pregnancies, starting after my third pregnancy, I've had diastasis recti, which is just like a separation of your abdominal muscles. And I did physical therapy after my third, and then I didn't do it after Maggie was born. And so now I'm back um, trying to make the effort to make sure my body is in a state where I can just do normal daily activities and not um, not be in pain or not causing some kind of injury later down the line. And like I said, I'm not 
I'm not an exerciser or anything. So those types of habits of consistency, like one would usually have with exercise, I don't necessarily have. And so introducing a thing where it's like, I'm going to do this every day Mm -hmm. and the the payoff is going to be months down the road, or I may not even be able to really tell. Um, I just know that it's for my good to do this work right now and to make the time. And at this point, it's like 20 minutes every day that I need to do. And I need to schedule going weekly. So I have to arrange babysitting and all of that to be able to go. But just to see like God can give me the strength to get it to do the thing every day and I can do something even when the, you know, the the payoff, the result is not this like immediate satisfaction. Right. Right. It's not the tasty baking that I've done that I get to pull out of the oven in an hour. Right. Yeah. Well, Jesus certainly didn't skip over toil or <laughs> things that weren't instantly gratifying to just, I was thinking about that. I saw your notes for this physical therapy. I had to think of my daughter, Ava, who has scoliosis. We don't know how she got it. It's a long story there. But anyhow, she has been daily doing her exercises. And Annie, it just puts me to shame. I almost feel like just I'm a sinner watching her because she's so faithful to something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, she's just a kid. And kind of like you're saying, it seems like it shouldn't should be something good that, you know, we should just do, even if it's not a very long time. But still, it's so hard to do something daily like you mm-hmm. were having victory cheers over sourdough <laughs> and now you're talking about your body here your actual body but it's hard so she's inspired me I've actually started to take more care of myself just watching her be faithful and then yeah she's my daughter's taught me about Jesus and that for sure but um anyway so weeding do you have time to talk about that yeah so I think I touched on it a little bit in the homeschool one but just um, really weeding out my laziness. And I'm somebody who is, I'm always doing something, right? Like in the home, I'm always busy. Right. So I'm working, but my heart is, is still lazy. And, you know, especially with the sleeping in. And, and when Callie was on the podcast, I think she shared about, she just had the realization that it's not worth it, right? That extra 10 minutes to lay in the bed and hit mm. the snooze doesn't actually give me anything. I don't benefit from it. I just suffer from it. And I think it's true for me too. I just haven't quite realized it yet. Right? <laughs> I haven't internalized it so that my actions then reflect it. But there are always excuses, right? I have, I have my oldest is eight. So I've had many years of being pregnant or nursing a baby and being up at night with a baby. And so there are lots of reasons where somebody on the outside would say, well, it's okay if you sleep in or like if your kids aren't in need, like it doesn't seem like a big deal. It's not like you're um, neglecting them necessarily. But I know that I'm just choosing that comfort in the moment of staying in the bed an extra 20 minutes um, instead of being active and being, yeah, just joyful to to begin the day and start my duties, right? To start a time where I am responsible or um, where I need to be uh, attentive to other people's needs. And so that has definitely been something that God has been working in me to change. I'm not there yet, but. Was <laughs> that hard to recognize? Making baby steps. I, that seems um, something like something that's not easy to do to actually say, I might be the problem here instead of 
passing it off. Yeah. Well, it's like the the math problem doesn't work out, right? If there's more to get done and and I have a bad attitude about doing it, how do I solve this problem? <laughs> I need to have an earlier start to my day or maybe have a start where I'm not immediately needed by somebody, right? Because if my kids are up before me, then as soon as I'm up, mm. they're coming to me to, you know, have their needs met. What are we having for breakfast? What are you doing? And so actually seeing what what will solve the problem, right? Like where, what needs to give and the thing that needs to give is me being indulgent, right? It needs to, it needs to go and what needs to come in is just growing up, <laughs> right? Like in valuing what it is that needs to get done in the day. Because if I have an appointment or I have a, I don't get to church on time and Sunday mornings, but if I have a Sunday morning commitment, I will be there, right, at some point. Right. And so I can have that attitude towards other things, but I don't necessarily see the need for it in the way that I actually live day to day with my family. Yeah. So that's a big one. But I think kind of alongside of it has been learning to actually give things my full attention. And so coming to an understanding, kind of my eyes being open to ways that I maybe am not paying attention in as I think I am to my kids when they come up to me and want to have conversations or even to the things that I'm reading or sitting and listening to a sermon on a Sunday morning or a podcast that it's almost like I'm just so used to the constant influx of ideas that I'm not really taking time to think and consume it. It's just Mm -hmm. pouring on me. Right. So that has been something that I am seeking to grow in. And yeah, a big part of that is putting my phone away, putting it down so that when my kids are in the room, I am at least available to them, which is funny in our house because <laughs> our whole like main living area is one big room. So right. sometimes the, the margins are hard for me to tell where I think, oh, they're not really <laughs> with me. So I'll put in my AirPods and start listening to something but then they just start talking to me from the other room that's on the other <laughs> side of a half wall. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, okay, I need to be involved and respond. Right. Um, so I just had a thought about your earlier thing that you shared about waking up in the morning, about how you said your kids or kids in general wake up and where do they go? Right to their parent because they're needy. Mm-hmm. And then if we put it into the perspective of God as our father, when we wake up, we should mirror our kids and go needy right to our father in that yeah. same respect. Um, that was just a fun image that popped in my head. I like it. All right. So, Annie, I'll let you share this last one you wrote down. Oh, my <laughs> last one for weeding? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think it flows from other things that we've talked about. And when I when I was talking to my husband about it, he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, we're being <laughs> honest. But um, I appreciate it. I put lying and it's lying in the sense of presenting myself in such a way that's maybe better than reality, mm. right? And so it might be like in recounting a story or or like it's just something that I've noticed that I've realized is a sin that needs to be to be confessed and repented of or giving myself credit for something that I haven't actually done. And so it'll be as if 
I'll say it's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, just that idea, like I wrote down the example of a friend where in my head, I think I'm a good friend because I thought about my friend Laura this week. Mm -hmm. Aren't I a good friend? I thought of her. But it's actually like, no, the thing that actually would benefit my friend Laura would be for me to reach out to her when I think about her or for Mm -hmm. me to pray for her when I think about her. And so it's like I'm lying to myself about a reality that's not actually there. And so I'll I'll tell a friend when I see them in person, oh, I thought of, you know, I thought about texting you this week as if that gives me friend points. <laughs> but I didn't actually text them. And so it's actually just like condemning to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do that too. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's like a subtle thing where I'll hear myself. I think it happened one night at the end of community group. We were like seeing somebody out the door and somehow a story came up that I was telling and I don't know I like fudged some part of the story and made it sound better than it was or made my actions in it better than they were and Jared kind of looked at me and I asked him about this and he has no recollection of it Mm. but in the moment I don't even know if he looked at me because he recognized that it was wrong Mm -hmm. but I felt caught and I was like wait a second I just portrayed myself in a way better light than than what actually was and I don't even remember the situation right now but it just opened my eyes to that and And an area that it does come up in is that there are times where I will claim to have forgotten to do something, and it's really because I was apathetic and I chose not to do it. Mm. I thought about it many times. Right. But it was never the perfect time, so I never did it. (laughs) And so, you know, somebody will have texted me, and I won't respond because it it will take mental energy to, I don't know, finalize the plan with them or communicate with my husband about making the plan with that person or whatever it might be there's something holding me back and so instead of just acknowledging my fault that I didn't respond to my friend I'll say it got lost in the you know it got down the list or it got read and then I didn't respond and so yeah I just pray that the Lord changes me like I said right that um that I can seek to present myself as I really am and not just be, I mean, it's the same as that hiding your mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Not just be trying to cover and hide my mistakes, but actually to to put myself out in the open and to be vulnerable because that's the only way I'm going to change. Yeah. Ooh, so much in my mind there. What you're talking about is integrity. Hmm. Like, yeah. Um, and I've asked myself that question this year. I was like, Laura, what is this word? Integrity. And do you have it? Which means what is outside of you matches the inside of Mm, you. And I'm like, okay, nope. (laughs) And it's shameful. It feels shameful. And it's sobering. And um, yeah, but we have like two choices. Either we can like shrink back or then go like that little kid in the morning to the one who's the one that can fulfill what we need because we are needy to God, you know. And something that I was uh, thinking about, again, is that waking up thing. Like, we actually have to wake up every day, like, with our arms out and saying, okay, will you dress me in your righteousness, God? Because, or just acknowledging that he does, rather, Mm -hmm. not as if he doesn't, or it's not continuous, but just acknowledging that he does. Like, um, we need, I need, yeah, him to hand me my plate. Like, here's your plate for the day. Here's your portion for the day. And then I'm going to put my righteousness on you. And 
that's been powerful for my mind anyways to be thinking on myself more as like that needy person (laughs) or um, child rather but um the other thought that i had was in your story was that you said maybe you were aware of this when your husband looked at you or when someone saw you Mm -hmm. which is so interesting because um the bible says we we don't really see ourselves right and that's just true so actually we can't kind of even like the sermon series that we've been going through in jesus therapy you can't look in on yourself and figure it out and know what you need it actually we actually need each other to to look on one another to um to show us who we really are tell us or see things and then thank goodness that was like the loving face of your husband doing right (laughs) and then um what it did was it spurred you on towards jesus and not to hide so yeah um, well and it's like it um you know it lit the little the little flare went up that's like, oh, this is a thing you need to look out for because mm-hmm. you don't want this to become a thing mm-hmm. that you do. You want this to be a thing that you are tempted to do and then shut down, mm-hmm. right? Stifle. Yeah, and then scripture just not only like the face of others, but scripture as well. Like for me, I've said it a million times, but the book of James really shone a light on my heart this year, just even talking about that double-mindedness. And the double-mindedness is the same kind of meaning is the integrity like you think one thing is going on in your mind but in reality like something else is going on like you think this way and then you act this way so you just swing back and forth Mm -hmm. back and forth back and forth and um, I realize yeah that I do that and so my prayer this year has been to become a woman of integrity anyway yeah it's kind of it can be ugly at first but it's good right (laughs) yes this is fun we get to go into your harvest Annie yeah so I mean I think the main thing has been just a a season of joy that in motherhood and in my place right now of raising young kids and schooling them it's just it's been more joyful than I could have imagined and Mm -hmm. even even adding on the fifth adding the baby I was anticipating the stress of it and Mm -hmm. the the sleepless nights and how do you juggle it all? And there is some of that, right? There is organization or something that needs to be there to make it all happen. But that I can just enjoy and delight in who my kids are and just the funny things that they say and their sweet little personalities and seeing the boys learn to read, be excited about reading things and seeing the girls who are four and two now actually start to play together and just have their little like imaginary world that they're um, working out. And then always we, I have enjoyed and loved when a new, when a baby is in the family, Mm. that there's something special. And I think I heard somebody talk about it at one point, but it has been true in my experience too, that there's something special about a baby because everybody's attention and delight is on the baby yeah. and it's not it's not selfish or the baby's not growing in pride because everybody's focused <laughs> on them right yeah it's everybody gets to enjoy the baby and make the baby laugh and make the baby smile and care for him and and it's just like a sweet season of just enjoying him for who he is right he doesn't do anything right he doesn't contribute to the functioning <laughs> of our family in any way he's just Delightful. the sweetest thing yeah. yeah we just get to enjoy him so Yeah, that's just been, it's been really sweet. And to share Mm -hmm. that with Jared and to, you know, at the end of the day, talk about the things that have, the things that we're seeing 
characteristics grow and even the challenges, right? Where we're, yeah. we're going over like, hey, I've noticed this kid doing this thing a lot lately. How do we how do we kind of speak into that? How do we give them opportunities to stretch and grow in the opposite direction? That there's just a lot of, there's a lot of joy in there. And yeah. it's a sweet thing. What I've been hearing from you from this time is like um, that you are building into your family a legacy of meaning and just delight. And I love that. And that's something that I wanted to praise God for. Um, and then just, it's just very apparent that he's, been providing your family with wisdom and and power in this season which is pretty cool to witness Mm. yeah and then the other thing that i had um thinking about harvesting was just in in taking joy in all aspects of my my work in the home has been seeing some of those things that used to be just duties and things that i have to do also become things that i want to and love Mm. to do and so you know, the the margins between things that I consider work and things that I do for fun are very blurred. And that's like, what a beautiful thing that the yeah. things that I have to do are also things that I enjoy doing. And so, you know, I get to teach and I get to use my, my mental energies towards that. And I get to bake and be creative in the kitchen and cook and try to solve the riddle that I will never solve of making food that everybody likes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't feel know. like I've been talking to you about this for years and years and years of food. Yeah. <laughs> I have memories of, yeah, even living in my old house, being like, food, what do we make? <laughs> yeah. But to see it as, I mean, it's the challenge. It's the challenge of my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> what foods can we find that everybody likes? Right now, pizza is a pretty good bet. So we'll stick with that. Um, Hence, mellow mushroom. Yes, exactly. We went this week for part of our fall break fun. Um, But yeah, I wrote down some of the things, right? Like, by God's grace, I really enjoy leaving a clean kitchen at the end of the night. That's Mm -hmm. been a new thing as of probably the past year, to actually take the time to do all the dishes and not leave myself a pile for the next morning. Um, To be creative in cooking. Think of more and more things that I can make instead of buy in all different avenues of my life, not just sewing things. And then just putting order to the chaos that becomes when you have Six people in a house, or yeah. se- seven people in a house. <laughs> so it's been sweet. It's a lot to thank the Lord for. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Annie, What? Ha- or is there anything else you want to say before I cut you off? <laughs> no, I think we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How would you like to end the night? What have you brought to share? Okay. So I didn't feel confident writing something of my own, so I, I brought a passage to read from somebody else's writings. And this is from Abigail Dodd's book, Bread of Life. And it seemed like a good fit to sum up our conversation tonight. Um, It's a book that I read in the past couple of years and as part of my return to reading. And it's also the book that got me started on my sourdough journey. I had tried sourdough baking in 2020 and then gave it up because the stuff I was looking at was too technical and I couldn't couldn't, um, keep up with it. And then I read this book in 2022, and her method seemed more approachable. So I got started, and I haven't stopped with that since. And then this passage also um, focuses on being like children. And my own children have been such an instigator for my growth 
and they serve as a mirror for my own tendencies and my own sins so that I am made aware of them in such a different way than I did before I had children. But children also show me how I ought to be, and that's what this passage uh, focuses on. So I'm going to read it quickly and then close this in prayer. Children can be notoriously difficult to please when it comes to food, but not when it comes to bread. I'm sure there's an exception out there, but I've never met a child who turns up his nose at a loaf of bread fresh from the oven. They gather round, eager for the first slice, not because of selfishness, but because of delight. Mouths full, they can't help but talk about how good it is and immediately begin asking for more. While their manners may not be as refined as some adults prefer, no one could question their genuine appreciation, their joy, and their happiness in the bread. No one has to ask, do you like it? Or urge them to say a dutiful, thank you. As someone who makes bread a lot, I can tell you the response of happy children eating bread is the very best response. It is the response that brings me, the bread maker, the most pleasure and honor. So it is with the Lord. The more we can forget ourselves and our overbearing manners and simply receive the bread of life with the joy and delight of a child, the more honor God gets. When we are satisfied by his bread, that is his son, he is honored and glorified. I said at the beginning of this book that I wanted to change your diet. I wanted you awash in spiritual gluten. But as I finish, I will own to you that that is only part of my goal. The fuller purpose is not that you would merely eat the bread of life, but that you would eat it as a child. For it is only children who really can eat it. For as high and lofty as glory is, God makes up for that loftiness by bestowing it only on humble children. From Matthew, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The disciples were seeking glory, asking, Who is the greatest? Jesus' response must have shocked them as it does us. The greatest are those who have refused a particular kind of aging, the kind that leads to cynicism, scoffing, hypocrisy, and pretense, and instead have grown new, childlike, and full of faith. When Eve ate the forbidden fruit, she grew up in the worst way. One could say that was the moment she became that deadly sort of adult that cannot enter the kingdom because she has lost her ability to enjoy all the good things that will be there, most especially God himself. When we turn and become children, every bit of life, from the perfect foam of a latte to the delicious warmth of clothes coming out of the dryer, from the piercing truth of Galatians to the unparalleled unparalleled wisdom of the parables, all of it becomes vibrant and alive with the goodness of our Father. Everything is received from Him. We become partakers of wonder, which gets us about as close as we can get to partaking of the divine nature. Won't you turn and become His child? Won't you taste and see that he is good? Won't you stir up your hunger for him, knowing that it is his good pleasure to satisfy you with himself? Won't you join me in waiting and hoping for the day when all hunger ceases and we will be glorified in his presence? As it says in Revelation, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then I wanted to close with a prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for your goodness towards us. I thank you that you've given us the bread of life in Christ to fill us and sustain us. 
Help us to grow in faith and childlike gratitude for all of your good gifts. Help us to put aside the things that hinder us, things like cynicism, scoffing, hypocrisy, and pretense. Thank you that the calling you have given us is for our good, that our obedience to you not only brings you glory, but brings us joy. Would you cultivate our desire to obey and give us the strength to follow through in what you have asked of us? Give us a hunger for your word that we might be daily equipped by your spirit for the good works that you have prepared for us. I want to thank you for Laura and for her friendship specifically to me and for her faithful obedience in creating this podcast. May you continue to bless her efforts and use the podcast to build up the women of our church. Thank you for those listening. You've given us to each other as sisters and co-laborers. Be with us as we spur each other on to faith and good works. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Whole Home Podcast, a podcast that displays the unity of sisters in a local church and the way God so wonderfully gives us to each other in our uniqueness and in our sameness for His glory. The stories we share weave together as one grand testimony to the work of Christ and His faithful presence in the garden of our lives. Remember, the Master Gardener is always at work, so let's yield to Him and grow where we're planted.